0: Our scripture reading today is from Psalm 147 verses 1 to 11. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear him and who put their hope in his unfailing love. Praise the Lord. And From the Gospel of Mark, Chapter 1 verses 29 to 39. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. And they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. And the fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset. The people brought Jesus, brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues, and driving out demons. Thanks be to God for this word.
1: Will you pray with me, please? Holy Spirit, source of life, source of joy and fresh beginnings, We pray that you would bind up the brokenhearted, that you would find the places in us that are closed tight and cause our hearts to open, to soften. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Our gospel reading this morning and for the next several weeks comes from the book of Mark, the shortest, most compact of the gospels. If you notice, we are just in chapter one and Jesus is already knee deep in ministry. He has been baptized, tempted in the wilderness, called his first fishermen disciples, healed and taught and cast out demons in the verses leading up to what Gordon just read for us. For comparison, in Luke chapter one, Jesus isn't even born yet. So Mark is moving us right along. We get to this story in verses 29 to 31. A very brief scene, really, where Jesus enters the house of his new disciples, Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law is sick, in bed with a fever, it says. She's confined to her room, and Jesus is told about this right away. He goes up to her bedside. He takes her by the hand and raises her up. The fever leaves her. She's healed, and then the story says immediately, she begins to serve them, to wait on the men in her house. Apparently, they were in her space and she felt the need to get out of her sickbed and start waiting on her guests. Now, over the years, I have heard and had many reactions to this story where, oh, of course, the woman is healed and she has to pick right back up serving where she left off, right? We certainly don't hear about Lazarus getting raised from the dead and then jumping to pour coffee. Just another symptom of this society that expects women to provide hospitality even when they were literally just on their deathbed. And maybe that's a valid complaint in some contexts on some days. But today, I'm really trying to come at it differently going to take a little careful threading of the needle here, but a different point has been trying to make itself known to me. Because if we barge in on this scene painted by Mark, the mother in law, newly revived springing up to offer toast and wine and sweep up crumbs and wash dishes. If we barge in on this scene saying no way, sit down, mother in law, you should have your feet up, you should be resting, let someone else take care of the dishes. It's possible that we're overstepping. We in Bethesda in 2024 have grown protective of this woman from our places of able bodiedness, our sensibilities around gender parity. We are reaching across time and space to say stop. This woman shouldn't be serving. She was just so sick with fever. She is weak and likely old and tired. Stop her from this housekeeping task, cooking and cleaning and serving the men who could do it themselves. It's possible that from our places of comfort and privilege, telling ourselves we're protecting this woman, we are actually taking away her agency to decide for herself whether or not she feels like serving it's possible i'm using my self-righteous voice to speak for to speak over someone who should probably also have a voice and in this case it's all hypo- hypothesis right hypotheticals it's, we don't even know this woman's name in mark let alone what she thought or said but there are parallel situations in our world today where we in a spirit of wanting to protect someone, instead we speak for them. We assume we know what they want or need, and we end up compromising their power to choose for themselves. It's an uncomfortable truth that's been making itself known to me, especially with this as the first week of Black History Month. This is our Disability Awareness Sunday from the conference. The truth is that in all our trying to confront our biases and lift up people on the margins and celebrate the gift of diversity, we who enjoy power or privilege in one realm or another still have a proclivity to talk rather than to listen to speak for this mother-in-law in in luke rather than to listen to her we still want to control the narrative i've been to quite a few workshops and book groups and discussion forums on anti-racism where like 90 percent of the talking was done by white people even though there were plenty of people of color in the room. I have seen young teenagers approached by adults and the adults tell the young people exactly what it's like to be a teenager, as if they are the experts on current experience. Or someone with a visible physical disability is told, oh, don't worry about helping us, you just sit there someone with a speech impediment is automatically passed up for reading in church, the pastor just telling herself, I don't want to make them uncomfortable. Or pride activities are organized by all straight cisgendered people, no invitation given to anyone in a group who's LGBTQ. Rarely Do we create spaces where someone who's been silenced can say out loud what they do and do not want to do? Can say out loud how they want to be called, how they want their story told, how they prefer to proceed from here. When was the last time that you witnessed a person marginalized because of disability, Or race or sexuality or age or gender given a space to tell their story to articulate what justice or healing or freedom would look like to them and then had those wishes respected with no interruptions or follow-up caveats or loopholes or explanations from people who were supposed to be listening If you can think of a time, it was likely powerful. It doesn't happen very much in my experience. Instead, there are people swooping in to be saviors, calling the shots, deciding on behalf of others, what those people's freedom or healing or justice would look like. In our scripture reading today, Jesus causes a woman's fever to leave her and she begins to serve. So let's just imagine for a second, we can't know, but let's just imagine that this is what she wanted to do. That maybe being with Jesus was inspirational, that he set an example of living and serving and tending to people's needs, and she wanted, out of love and gratitude, to follow him. And no one stopped her. No one told her to go back to bed. The Greek word used for her service in this verse is the same word from which we get the English word deacon. Deacon used in ours and many denominations to describe a set-apart ministry wholly oriented towards service to and through and beyond the church. Let us not reduce this woman's deacon work. Look down our noses at it as something she shouldn't have been doing. Christ heals and empowers us for service. And I'm not talking about compulsory service, right? This is the threading the needle part. The service that harmful structures of society extract from people who don't have a choice. We don't, as Christians, say, Jesus has called you to serve me. We do say, Jesus has invited all of us to a life of humble, yet fulfilling mutual service. And no one is excluded from that invitation. This little snippet of a story from Mark is part of a pattern of behavior we see in Jesus in the gospels where he makes it clear that everyone is invited, especially people who are assumed not to be in especially people who are apt to be forgotten. He goes out of his way to encounter Simon's mother-in-law, to call children to his side, Samaritans, rich people, poor people, that sinful woman who washed his feet with her hair, the woman at the well, Zacchaeus the scoundrel, Nicodemus the Pharisee, Simon Peter himself. Jesus encounters people and sees and loves them for who they are, he heals and includes and commissions them to a life of service. In the last sermon that he preached in a church, which just so happened to have been February 4th, 1968, Dr. King famously said, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. Everybody can serve. Church is a place where that should be true. Where people with chronic illness or disabilities, people of every age, every type and amount of education, everybody can serve, can say for themselves what they do and do not have the energy or time or passion to do. Let us not make assumptions about people. Let us not make ourselves the arbiters of who is too old or too young or too busy or too whatever to serve in and through this church. Let us trust each other to say for ourselves what our current capacity is. This woman, Simon's mother-in-law, should get a say in whether and how she wants to serve, even just minutes off of her grave illness. In the scripture, she didn't get a say. In her culture, she didn't get a say, but in our culture, in our community, in our church, she does get a say. Here in our church, people who want to follow Jesus, who want to join us here, are equipped and empowered by Christ for a life of joyful service, no matter who they are. When they say they want to rest, they need a break, we honor that. When they say, no, I've got this, let me join you, we honor that. I grew up in a church You're probably sick of hearing this. I grew up in a church where I was the only kid, but no one told me I was too young to do the bulletin boards or change the hymnal numbers or help arrange the flowers. They just brought me stools to help me stand a little taller. When I'm old, I hope to find a church where similarly, they don't tell me I'm too old to serve in the ways I can and want to serve. A church like this, where whatever gifts the Spirit still gives me are welcome, and I can say when I'm too tired or in pain or simply don't want to do something. Everybody can be great, because everybody can serve. What I love about Jesus is the freedom he brings. The freedom and the dignity he brings to everybody. There's no unworthy with Jesus. There's no unfit or not enough. He doesn't condemn. He doesn't say that's too heavy for you. That's too big a job. You're out of your league. Rest and limits and boundaries are important. But look at how Jesus models this. Our story today opens on the Sabbath. The Sabbath where the law says no work. No work can be done. No healing. The law says if you come near someone who is sick, it makes you unclean. The law tried to box Jesus in to tell him who and what and when he could heal. And he said no thank you to that. He listened instead to the call of the spirit, not the shoulds of society. And then just a few verses later, in the same reading we heard, Jesus knows he's tired. He feels it in his spirit. He's in touch with his body after a full night, it says, of healing the whole town. And Jesus gets up and takes a break. He goes to a deserted place, the scripture says, where he can be in prayer. Where he can rest and reset and fulfill the intention of Sabbath. There are rhythms of rest and work ministry and service and prayer and play, and Jesus models for us how to find those for ourselves rather than tell other people what theirs should be. Serving one another, serving in this church and beyond it brings deep joy and fulfillment, and all are invited to that abundant life. No one is left out. We believe that God made you as you are. You are enough. You are welcome to serve alongside us to rest when you need to. Let us not be the ones to tell you no. God says yes to you. Amen. If you haven't been here before, or if it's been a while, don't forget we have an excellent coffee hour with snacks and friends and fellowship and coffee offered. You are warmly invited to join us. As we leave this place, I pray that the Spirit will fall afresh on you, helping you to understand that you are called and loved and empowered to serve. May we go from this place to call and equip and empower others to serve as well, for it is a joy. Go in peace. Amen. NBUMC Weekly is a production of North Bethesda United Methodist Church, located in Bethesda, Maryland. Follow us on YouTube and Facebook at North Bethesda UMC or on Instagram at Loving All Neighbors. All music is licensed via Christian Copyright Licensing International, CCLI.